Welcome to the Harmony Pittsburgh Baptist Association Leadership Podcast, a podcast designed to encourage pastors, to equip leaders, and to engage the community with the saving power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our guest today is pastor and church planter Gabe Martin. Gabe has previously served as pastor of First Baptist Church, Quitman, Texas, and will relocate this summer to do church planting in a military community in San Diego, California. I'm your host, Jeremy Randolph, and Gabe, we want to welcome you to the podcast. Well, thanks for having me. So first, would you just take a couple of minutes and tell the listeners how you became a follower of Jesus? Well, I was raised in a Christian home and heard about Jesus from an early age. And at a VBS, I did come forward and said I wanted to be baptized. Um, I know from the earliest age all through my life, I did believe in Jesus. I did believe that he was God. I did believe he died for my sins. But what I don't see in my life into my teen years and all that is repentance. I don't see any total surrender, any worship of God. I do see a lot of self-worship. And so it was later in life that I, um, I started noticing people around me in church looked different than me. And it really started whenever they were raising their hands to worship God. And I was just, I was like, why do they do that? Why do they feel the need to do that? Why don't I? And uh, I was reading my Bible and I started noticing also these things I was reading in the Bible were not true in my life. I didn't look like these people in the Bible who were Christians. And it started to scare me. And so I really started seeking God in prayer and, and asking God, what have I done wrong? What do I need to do? And, and just through the, the course of that, God showed me that I had not ever given my life to him. I had never worshipped him as number one in my life. And that was There was a moment when I surrendered all. I gave my life to God. I said, I know you are worthy to be worshipped. I said, I know I am a sinner in need of salvation, and that is when the gospel made sense. That is when I realized what it means to be saved by grace alone, nothing I deserve, nothing I can work for, and uh, my life has just never been the same since. Thanks for sharing your story, Gabe. Now, you've served as pastor of First Baptist Quitman, and now you're getting ready to do church planting in San Diego. So tell me a little bit about that journey how did God call you and your family to do church planting in a military community? Yeah, so I was in the Navy for 11 years. I did nine years active duty and two years reserve. And we were stationed in San Diego for about six years. And we really loved San Diego, uh, as most people do, and uh, made a lot of good relationships to have a lot of friends there. But we moved on. And uh, when I was deciding to get out of the Navy. I was trying to, to, to decide what it was that God was leading me to in my life. I wanted to be a church planter in San Diego. I wanted to be a church planter and I wanted to go back and reach the military community. I just have that connection. So I started uh, talking to Nam about what that would look like. Not to go too far into it, I wound up going to seminary uh, instead. And uh, in seminary, God kind of redirected me. As I was studying church planting, God kind of redirected me uh, to a local church here in East Texas to pastor. And so I've been pastoring that church for about four years now. And there's no doubt God has led me to that church. 
I love that church. That church has loved my family, and we've been just very blessed. But here recently, some some things came about, and uh, the Sin City missionary for the North American Mission Board got my number, and, and we started talking, and, and he started asking about, uh, you know, my heart for church planting and stuff like that, and, and asked me to consider coming to San Diego. Told him it probably wasn't a possibility right now. Like I said, we were we were happy at our church, but uh, he kept asking. Uh, well, he asked me again, I should say, and uh, we agreed to pray about it. And then he connected me with this guy who was planting a church. Now, I thought I, I had wanted to find a church plant in San Diego that our church could partner with through prayer and through giving. That's what I thought this call was for. This church planter was calling me to raise support. He was calling me for money. And after we talked for uh, over an hour, he just felt led to throw out a really big ask. And he said, he said after that hour-long conversation, he felt God had put it on his heart that I was to be his church planting partner and he asked if I would consider moving to San Diego to plant. And my first response was, no, probably not. Uh, very hesitant. I told my wife. Her response was also, no, probably not. But kept talking to him, and we agreed to pray, and we prayed about it. And then I was able to meet him and his wife online, and I felt just a real strong connection there. And the more he told me about the ministry of this church planting network, it's called the Praetorian Project, and they plant churches in military communities to strategically reach the military communities with the gospel. And it was everything I had wanted to do back when I first was leaving the Navy. Everything I'd wanted to do in seminary. Everything that had been in my heart for quite some time, but I really thought God had closed the door on. Um, and God just began to open more and more doors, uh, things normal people would call coincidence. But we don't see him as coincidence. We see him as God answering our prayers. And so eventually what I, I did, I prayed. I said, God, I, I ask you just to convince me so much. Convince me that you are leading me here to San Diego to the point to where if I don't go, I'm disobedient. And um, I believe that God did that in both my heart and my wife's heart to the point to we, we just know that's where God is leading us. And if we don't go there... Uh, we are being disobedient. That's really good and a great testimony of how God leads. Now, I believe that a critical piece of both leading a well-established church and planting a new church is evangelism. And we're going to define evangelism as sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with people in such a way that they recognize their need for a Savior, they know how to repent, and at least in a basic sense, know that they need to follow Jesus. So share with our audience for just a bit, what are your personal evangelism habits? I look for every opportunity I can to talk to somebody about Jesus. Um, you know, I live in a town where most everybody has heard about Jesus. Most everybody uh, has some affiliation with Christianity or Christian church. Um, but I, I still look for every opportunity I can to speak to Jesus. Now, that usually looks like um, waiters and waitresses, uh, when they come to the table, I always ask, I say, hey, we're going to pray for our meal. Is there any way we can pray for you today? Uh, that's just very easy. Most people aren't offended by that. And most people will say, yeah, they'll give me something to pray about. And then I say, okay, now just so you know, 
we're going to be praying in the name of Jesus. Do you know who Jesus is? And a lot of times, you know, the answer is, oh, yeah, yeah, I know who Jesus is or I'm a Christian. I try not to leave it at that. Sometimes, you know, that's just where it needs to end because of time. Or, But I, I try to ask, you know, hey, what does that look like for you? Or how would you start following Jesus? Uh, I try to ask, are you involved in a local church? Because in our area, you know, I'm a Christian sometimes means I went to church a few times as a kid. So I want to further that conversation and make sure that they understand that when I, when I ask or I say, you know, I'm a Christian— that what I mean is is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He's in my life. Uh, my life is in Him. So I, I try to have these conversations with everyone I can: waiters, waitresses, my cashiers at Walmart, my air conditioning guy that came over to my house the other day. Uh, I was able to witness to him at the church. We have a uh, a benevolence fund, um, and that's another thing. Like we, I, no one gets a dime unless I've been able to talk to them about Jesus, because that's what Jesus wants his money to go to. I, funny story, I do this a lot as well because in our area, people will often say, have a blessed day. Or if you say, hey, how you doing? Well, I'm blessed. And I always use that as an opportunity to, to jump in and say, well, what do you mean by that? And uh, I was going through the McDonald's drive through in Mineola. She leaned out and she handed me all my stuff and she said, have a blessed day. And I stopped. I said, why did you say that? And you could tell she looked kind of scared because, you know, in today's climate, was she supposed to say that? And she's like, well, I just, I, I want you to have a blessed day. And I'm like, who do you think can bless my day? What does it mean to have a blessed day? And, you know, she was a little hesitant. And I, I said, I, I want you to know I'm a Christian. I would just love to hear what you had to say. And that kind of put her at ease. And and I said, who can bless my day? And she said, well, well, God can. I said, do you believe that? And it just led into a great conversation. Sometimes people throw these things out that are just evangelism softballs. Have a blessed day. Well, let's talk about that. So just any opportunity I can not to ask just do you go to church, uh, just are you a Christian, the name Jesus needs to be in those conversations. That's good. I remember that the first time you and I went out to eat together at a restaurant not far from where we're doing the recording, that when the waitress came by, uh, you used that type of approach to begin to share the gospel with her. So Gabe, let me ask you this. What do we need to be doing differently in order to reach people with the gospel here in East Texas? I am I am completely convinced we need to do a better job of looking different than the world. Uh, many people are confused because their life doesn't look any different than the life of of some of our regular church attenders, some of our regular church members. Uh, and so their question is, why do I need what you have? You look just like me. And so I think we need to do a better job. You know, light looks nothing like darkness. Life looks nothing like death. The church needs to look nothing like the world. Uh, and I believe this starts in our homes. I think a lot of kids grow up confused because this message they're hearing of a transformed life through the power of Jesus uh, is not something they see modeled in their homes. Uh, I think these the kids sometimes grow up confused with that. We need to look different in the streets, in our jobs, so that people know there is something different about us. There's a, a change that the name of Jesus empowers. Uh, and, that, and that's the second thing, that Jesus' name needs to be on our lips. We're so free in this country to talk about Jesus, and, and so often we fail to do that. We pass up opportunities every day. We see that the church is growing faster in places of severe persecution. 
Uh, and it's because they're talking about Jesus more in persecution than we are in freedom. And so hear what I said, not just talking about church attendance, not just inviting someone to church. Yes, invite them to church. That's awesome. Talk about Jesus, though. And then lastly, uh, prayer. Prayer, though, with a belief that God will act. I think sometimes we throw up these kind of soft-hearted prayers like, oh, God, you know, let people come to Jesus. But, I mean, intentional prayer with a belief that God is going to hear you and God is going to turn your city upside down for Jesus. A lot of people here in East Texas are self-professed Christians, and we've already talked about this a little bit. Uh, They may say that they go to church or they may have been to church once or twice in their life, and that's good enough for them to to consider themselves a Christian. And there's still a fairly significant portion of the population in East Texas uh, that has no faith involvement meaning by their own admission that they're unchurched. And we've already talked about some creative ways of how to share the gospel with those people. But talk to me for a little bit about what the difference in evangelism particularly will be between East Texas and San Diego. What is different about evangelizing a very churched culture and evangelizing a military community? Well, right off the bat, the biggest difference is you don't go into every conversation assuming this person knows about Jesus. In East Texas, you can go in with that assumption. Sometimes you may be proven wrong, but most of the time you can go into an assumption with an assumption they know about Jesus. They've had some type of church affiliation. In San Diego, that is not the case. I was out there uh, just recently and, uh, started trying to strike up a conversation with a uh, woman in Starbucks. And she was telling me how, um, I think, uh, anyway, just a a number of different religions all throughout her family. She didn't really know which one she adhered to. And her method or model was kind of, hey, just try them all and, you know, whatever sticks and whatever you believe. And, And as I tried to further that conversation, you could tell she didn't like that conversation. Whereas in East Texas, somebody probably have that conversation with you. Uh, so right off the bat, you know, don't assume people know about Jesus. Uh, also, um, very further along in the uh, the progression of the world of uh, relativism, you know, what's right for you may not be right for me. Um, you know, most people don't understand this. I would say San Diego is. By East Texas standards, you wouldn't never say, well, they're conservative, but far more conservative than the rest of California. And so it's not like in L.A. or San Francisco or anything like that, but they're still present there. Just you're going to have to do more than just say, well, the Bible says X, Y, Z. You're going to have to really establish that relationship let people know that you really believe what you're saying. Why? Let them see that it's you know changed your life. It's not just going in. Because like I said, in East Texas, most people, yeah, if the Bible says it, I can at least agree that it's probably good. Uh, out there, the Bible says it doesn't stand on its own uh, for them. So yeah, just a lot of differences there, actually having to go and meet people in their, in their, their lostness, understanding that, you know, You've got to speak their language. Uh, they are not going to speak yours. And then especially in the uh, military community, which our church plan is really focused on the military community of San Diego, 
people are in very different life situations than East Texas. A lot of them are much younger, you know, a lot of times right out of high school, enlisted in the Navy. Um, many of them are going to be newly married. Now you combine newly married, just out of high school with moving to a completely different location in a high stress job. You know, the stress of preparing for war, uh, preparing for deployment, uh, the stress of a young newly married couple with one of the spouses deployed for months and months at a time, uh, just completely different life situations. And, um, you know, the military community there, they do, they feature a lot of uh, factors that missiologists uh, have said increase the actual, the re receptivity to the gospel. So, I mean, it's a ripe harvest field, but it is uh, just a completely unique situation. And that's why, you know, God I feels really laid it, on, laid it on my heart because I've been in that situation. I've been that young, newly married, you know, uh, preparing. Uh, I, you know, my wife and I always talk about our first three years of marriage. I was gone probably two of them, two of those years. Uh, and then even the years after that, you know, several times I was gone a month at a time, two months at a time, three months at a time. So just very different in that regard. Uh, but a, a wonderful opportunity to minister to people. One of the things that has really intrigued me and something that I want you to share about with us is the vision of this new church plant in San Diego planting another church within five years. Why are you already not just thinking about planting another church, but why in these beginning stages are you already talking about planting another church? That is the strategy of this church planting network. And that's another reason that my wife and I were so uh, willing to pray and consider this is when we learned about this network. It's called the Praetorium Project. And that's what they do. They plant churches. They plant churches that plant churches. And so uh, it clearly communicates our mission from the very beginning. Our mission is not to build our own kingdom. It's not to accumulate a lot of attenders. It's our mission is to know Jesus and make him known, uh, not just where we meet, but all over the world. And so if we don't prioritize it now, I don't believe we would prioritize it later. You can say, well, we'll get to that later, but something else is going to pop up and something else is going to pop up. But if we communicate that from the very beginning, look, our plan is to spread the kingdom, to you know, not just grow up, but to grow out. Everybody that's a part of our church is going to know that from the very beginning, and I think it really helps us keep first things first, stay on mission, stay on task, and uh, I believe that the the kingdom is going to benefit greatly from this uh, mindset. One of the things I was reminded of just now as you were talking is that the gospel is for every culture. It's for Asian cultures. It's for African cultures. It is for East Texas culture. And it's for the military culture that exists in San Diego. So let me ask you this, Gabe. Are there any lessons that you've learned while serving in the pastorate here in East Texas that you're going to be able to apply to the work in San Diego on day one? Absolutely. Um, especially, I think, being a, a church planter, you know, what I've learned as a pastor, something everybody should know from the very beginning, but you know, you can't focus on the church before you focus on the people. And what I mean by that is um, church strategy sometimes can come before loving the people who've been, you've been put there to shepherd. 
Uh, every new guy right out of seminary has a plan for the church. Every new guy right out of seminary has a strategy to grow this thing. Uh, and sometimes they find that the people will get in the way of that. Let's grow this thing uh, if the people, you know, would just stay out of the way. But you got to remember the ministry is the people. You know, the church is uh, the people. The church is the the flock, the, the, the sheep of Jesus. And that, that has to come, you know, Jesus has to come first and, and his, his church, his people have to come next. And that's who we've been called to shepherd. So I think that's a, a big thing that will go a long way in the church planting community and especially in San Diego, seeing every individual person as an opportunity to glorify Jesus, not just one big strategy as a chance to glorify Jesus. That's one of the things we're, we're also trying to, to focus on. I, I, I've got this philosophy within me, I guess you'd say, uh, you know, that every person you meet is a potential missionary. Every conversation you have could be somebody that Christ is going to radically change their life uh, and dwell them with the Holy Spirit and then send them out to places all over the world to reach others for the gospel. I mean, every waiter you talk to, every, you know, every conversation is with a potential missionary uh, with an, uh, a potential kingdom soul that's going to glorify Jesus for eternity. So, yeah, seeing people uh, rather than just uh, strategies and projects. One of the philosophies of ministry that I have as well is that every person I share the gospel with is a potential leader in the church. Right. And that goes right along with what you're saying. Not only is every person a potential leader, but also a potential missionary out there changing the world. I believe that when we give ownership to new believers, it's so critical in developing them as a disciple, first off. But then they'll take that excitement of their newfound faith and carry the gospel forward. So I'm really excited to hear you say that. I mean, that's always been Jesus's plan, you know, for growing the church is people excited about him. I hate to say, but a lot of times who's more excited about Jesus than those people who just met him? Uh, but so often we can we can kind of slow that down with our, you know, holding on to that ministry. Well, that's for the professionals. That's for the mature Christians. Instead of from the very beginning, you know, hey, Matthew, who do you know? Who do you know that I can come to your house tonight and, 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 and dine with, you know? So that's something that I tell people all the time. When do you know the most lost people in your life? Well, it's when you're lost. That's right. And we would be foolish to tell people in their excitement, in their newfound faith, to not share the gospel. Absolutely. We would be foolish to say, come sit on the pews or in the chairs for two or three years and learn more answers. Learn how to answer possible objections to the gospel before you go out and share. That's not what we see uh, laid out for us in the Bible and I don't believe that's Jesus's plan for personal evangelism. Absolutely. Now, Gabe, right now, as you and your family are sort of in the midst of transition, uh, let me ask you, what are you guys doing right now? We are in fundraising mode. Uh, we are an SBC church plant. We are a NAM church plant. But my family uh, will be going... Uh, off of 100% raised support. We have to raise our support. So uh, we believe that God is going to pro provide. Uh, as I said, when I prayed, 
Uh, I prayed to be convinced and, and convicted that God was sending me. I never once, and I don't recommend anyone ever have an attitude of, you know, God, well, if you provide the money, I'll go. I don't think that's uh, biblical. I don't think that's how we're called to live. But I think uh, we're called to say, God, if I'm convinced you are sending me, I'm also convinced you will provide. So that's where we are right now. We're, we're praying that God would uh, put people in our lives who he's called to give towards this ministry, to give towards uh, this church plant, and uh, support our family to live in San Diego. We're, I'm in constant communication with my church planting partner, who is already in San Diego, um, and we're continually talking more vision, more strategy. Everything's pretty much in place, but we're still, we meet once a week at least uh, to pray together online. And so we're just praying for the, the city. We're praying for the church plant, praying for the support to be raised, and uh, then just trying to navigate next steps of downsizing, getting everything sold, getting out to San Diego. So uh, it's a lot kind of piled up. And if, if it was not for the grace of God, I think it, it might drive me crazy. But uh, God has been so gracious. I'm so convinced, you know, that... He is going to provide. He's going. He has led us out there. That uh, I just know everything's going to it's going to be all right. I believe that God has definitely called you, and God is going to provide what you need. I wanted to ask you: Is there a particular verse or verses uh, from Scripture, from the Bible, that really speak to you uh, and where you're at right now? Absolutely, I do. John three thirty. He must increase, but I must decrease. And uh, I just really feel, you know, Jesus has given us the two greatest commandments, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, If you are doing that, then he must increase and I must decrease. What's the number one prayer request for you and your family right now? Number one would be that um, God would already begin to work and move in the community of Tier Santa where we're planting to prepare people's hearts. I've prayed that God would give them a, a longing and a desire for something they may not even know what it is, and that when they hear the gospel of Jesus, uh, they'll just know that's what they've been missing. So, We want to take a couple of minutes and pray for you now, so let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you so much for Gabe and his family and for how you have led them beyond a shadow of a doubt to the community in San Diego. Lord, we pray as Gabe has asked that people will be open to the truths of the gospel. Even though they may not recognize their need for it, we pray that you are already burdening their hearts to seek absolute truth, to seek meaning, to seek what is lacking And God, we pray that many people, hundreds and thousands of people, will hear the gospel as a result of this church plant. Lord, that you will bring them along in their discipleship journey and that some of these people will be our everyday missionaries, not just to San Diego, but all across the world. We thank you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Gabe, this time together has been fantastic, and I want to thank you for being a part of this podcast. Thanks for having me. We look forward to sitting down 
together again in the future and celebrating what God has done. And with that, we bring to a close the first episode of the Harmony Pittsburgh Baptist Association Leadership Podcast. If you need more information about the Harmony Pittsburgh Baptist Association, or if the Lord has led on your heart to support Gabe and his family financially in this endeavor, contact us by visiting our website at harmonypittsburgh.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.